Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello listeners, we're back with episode 6 and I'm joined by Jimmy and Brownie for this one. We've got the Watford game to cover, the Wolves game in the Cup and we've got a few listener questions to answer as well. So as always, enjoy. Boys, how are we? Are we good? Brownie, good to have you on again. Yeah, good mate. You? Yeah, can hear you. Crisp. Nice, nice crisp sounding Adam Brown. Hey, well, you know, these new headphones are doing the trick obviously. <laughs> Jimmy, full episode today. How are you? Yeah, absolutely. You're talking about crisps, so it's just made me really hungry. <laughs> um, eh? Talking about crisps made me hungry. These crisp headphones. He's made oh, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm peckish. It's like, what time is it? Half seven. So, yeah. I'm not doing a favourite crisp segment, are we? No, 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 no. <laughs> don't, don't tempt Jake back into that nonsense that he started last like, year. It was quite oh, good, that, to be fair. No, it wasn't. It was dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, sound. Sound. Good. Good. Yeah, as I say at the start of every one of these episodes, if you like what we do here at From the Finney, you can support the podcast. Just head over to supporter.acast.com forward slash From the Finney. Um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts on the app, you can leave us a review. Or oh, not on the app. If you're just listening on Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a review. And if you're listening on the Spotify app, you can leave us a star rating. Um, yeah, boys, we'll jump straight into Watford. Were you both on? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, another nil-nil. So yep. it's the story of our season so far, isn't it? Yeah, but scoreline aside, I thought we, were doing, we did all right. I don't think we were bad. Like, I mean, don't know. They missed a couple of chances, especially the second half. But... I thought we were all right, especially against a team that's tipped for promotion. You looked at their team and before the game, we thought, well, could we toughen this today? But I thought we we, we started the game fairly well. Um, obviously, we've hit the post. Their keepers made a couple of good saves. We just um, Would you say we, we edged the first half, Joss? I, I sort of agreed with what Lowe said after the game in a way about not creating chances. Like, if we weren't creating, creating chances, it'd be bit more concerned but we are I think we're just missing that little bit of the clinical edge and does that come down to the fact that our squad isn't hasn't got the depth needed to be a top six side um, because you know what what is it five clean sheets in a row in the league like that's the that's your sort of your basis of a good side, like, but you've got a bit more than that. You know, you can't score one goal in five games and then think, oh, you know what, we're going to be top six at the end of the season. So I just don't think that's a realistic expectation. And I think as well, like in isolation, a nil-nil draw against Watford, who've just been relegated, it's not, it's not the worst result in the world, is it? No, I think if I think if we beat Rotherham midweek and then got that draw, you'd be going, well, we've had a decent week there, haven't we? We started the game really well, didn't we? We had that Brown chance where he volleyed it pretty much straight at the keeper and it was a really good move, that. And then there was a, a similar good move in the second half where um, Parrott got put in and there's a little deflection that, that went wide. But uh, flip side, apart from that, we didn't really create that many clear-cut chances. I suppose Brown had the one from the cross as well, didn't he? But um, I, think, I think they had the better chances, to be fair, in the second half. There was a one-on-one that got skied over. Um, where you think, I think, I think our defence was probably tested for the first time properly in the second half, where Lindsay, 
Lindsay got caught, didn't he, at one point, and then there was that breakaway where it was a one-on-one as well. So I think, to be honest, we kind of got away with it in terms of the clean sheet on Saturday. Um, but on the whole, like you say, Jake, I think if you, if you look at a nil-nil draw against Watford who've come down, you probably think, we'll take that and move on, don't you? Yeah. I think the other thing is, didn't they have a like a click opportunity in the first half as well when Woodman saved his feet? Yeah, they did. But to be fair, I think that was... Hughes had the problem with his shoulder, didn't he? And he got caught mm. in possession. I think he was a little bit focused on his shoulder and was all over the place. And then um, Lindsay didn't know. Good job he didn't bring him down. Kind of, you watch the Sunderland game in the, the midweek where um, I think it was Dan Neal, wasn't it? it? He pulled him by thinking, Lindsay, don't do that, which to be fair, he didn't. And it, it was a good save in the end. Yeah, I think as well, Potsy went off within a couple of minutes of that chance didn't he so I think that obviously tells you everything you need to know what what do you make of the obviously the Rotherham game and, and now the Watford game it's a box midfield Ledson started in both what what do you make of that at home for you know a team that don't get me wrong you know we've said we are creating chances but is that how you really want to be setting up at home do you not think we need to be looking at setting up with two up two up top or do you think yeah. the Watford game maybe warranted it whereas the Rotherham game didn't I think I put formation at the top of my notes tonight because it's probably the one thing that and I think tactically you can look at the bigger picture with Lowe is that I think he set us up probably wrong against Rotherham in terms of the box but then in hands are probably right against Watford but you've got to go for it like in terms of these home games like you've got to think how many people we've got coming through the gate now compared to previous seasons want to be inspired. They want to see a team that's, you know, we, we Randall talks about this brand of football and it's just felt a little bit safe on Saturday. Like, Tuesday night we've gone for it and you know what? Another night that could be 4-5-0, couldn't it really? But we created a lot of those opportunities when we went two up top. I think, we, obviously, you, know, you can look at the DJ chance in isolation in terms of the first half, not the third minute. But like, we seem to create more when we go two up. And I look at the timings of his subs as well. And, you know, the Rosalind game, he sort of killed it, then he with the Brown and DJ subs. And then you look at the subs from Saturday, and, you know, it was rather than to bring a meal on um, for DJ, but they made sub, two more subs eight minutes later. And it's like, he just, we just never got really going again, if that makes sense. Um, and the other thing tactically is our reliance on Brady. Now, Brady's class, like, you can just see he's got so much quality about him, but when he's putting ball after ball into the box and you've got Troy Parrott on his own, you know, and you've got Potts arriving late or Brown arriving late, just feel like we're knocking on a door and just no one's answering it. That's the only way I can describe it, like, because we just keep putting the cross after cross after cross into the box. I mean, he put 14 crosses in on, on Saturday and not one of them was an accurate cross. Not one of them's found a man. And it's like, he's got so much quality about him. And don't worry, like, one of these times, a defender's going to miss kick it or misplace it or miss it and then someone's going to knock it home and it's going to be like, all right, okay, finally. You know, put a ball into the box and we've scored. But it's just a little bit frustrating. You know I think the I mean? fact There's that so much quality about him. we haven't scored in the last two home games, there's been however many crosses put in with not many of them being successful. I think I feel like that's heightened the fact that we've seemed so reliant on crossing into the box to Troy Parrott. I think what it does as well is it kind of creates a little bit of an illusion that you're on top and you've had more chances than you actually have. When you actually think about it, Watford probably think, you know what, we'll take that. If they're just going to put deep, you know, crosses in from deep and you are relying on somebody to knock it in off someone's knee or a worldy like Pots, you know, you're relying on that, aren't you? And I think defences probably think, especially Rotherham, they probably thought, well, we'll just take this. We'll be able to clear these crosses easily. I think it's better from the chances we had, the Brown chance in the first half and the the DJ chance against Rotherham and, and Parrot as well, when we're actually playing through defences rather than having to rely on the crosses. I think um, that's so... the other frustration, isn't it? Like It's not for the lack of trying. It's not like we've not seen these chances created. 
in probably every game so far. Um, and especially the Huddersfield game in the Cup. I know it's the Cup and rotated sides and all that, but I think that's the frustrating bit. We've seen in probably every game at least one chance created like that, if not maybe two or three. So when you then sort of become so reliant on cross after cross after cross into the box, I think that's when you get fans probably leaving the stadium feeling a little bit frustrated. What's it? It's that the three over games for Brady, like it sits complete, crosses out 41. So it's probably what? It's less than 20% of it. But at least man first, and you know, he'll probably kill me when he's listening back to us tomorrow. But you've sort of you've got to take your chance in terms of a cross. It's got to be, you know, and I think you've got to put two up top to be successful with crosses like that. Because it's all, I just don't understand. Like, and I keep thinking about what our plan is and the, our brand of football that it, it, it remains to be spoken about. And is it attacking? I think the Rodham game probably showed that it was. But in the other games, I've, I've not really been convinced by how attacking it actually is. It's really good keeping the shape and keeping the ball and stuff. But are we actually creating the chances to? to score goals. I mean, what is it, 60-odd shots that we've had. But look at the areas where we've had those shots. It's not like we're taking loads of shots in the box and loads of, you know, clear-cut opportunities. Yeah, I think we missed played three or four one-on-ones in that time, but I, I just worry about, like, these stats that get sort of misinterpreted, like, in terms of how many shots we're having it, because ultimately people are shooting from 30, 25, 30 yards. It's getting classed as a shot. You know, but if it's getting blocked at source, then yeah, exactly. And like, I think didn't Ollie say in the chat the other day that was something like eleventh or twelfth for open play XG, which is mm. is distinctly it's average terrible. if we're being honest, isn't it? It's like, terrible, isn't it? You know, we've been promised this attacking brand of football, and don't get me wrong, the football on the whole has been better to watch. Um, you know, I think that's been. That's evident since Ryan Lowe's come in. Mm. Um, but 11th, 12th, whatever it is in, in from Open Play XG doesn't really suggest an overly attacking brand of football, does it? But it's 41 is... shots in the box, 28 outside the box, one goal. And, and, the, goal, and the goal was scored, like, if you think about the goal we've actually scored, it's going to get nominated for the Puskas Award, no doubt, by FIFA. Like, because it's an absolute unbelievable strike by Potsy. I, I'm just a bit like, you know, we're, create, we're creating chances, yeah, but we're not finishing them. And then we're shooting from 30 yards. It's like, you know, I just want, we, I, I tweeted it on Saturday, like, we just need one to go in off back, the back of someone's arse because to just break that little bit of a hoodoo at home because I think someone's going to get a paste in sooner or later. But... I just don't want heads to drop, and like I don't, I, you know, especially with the re situation that we're all a little bit confused as at, the, at this moment in time because there's so many mixed messages about it. It's like I think Low will probably just want Thursday to be over and done with. A week on Thursday. Yeah, a week on Thursday. Sorry, yeah. yeah. I was going to say Thursday's a press conference. You're not, you're not suggesting he's fed up with George already, are you? <laughs> I'm fed up with George already, so it's fine. <laughs> Did either of you go to Wolves last night? No. No, unfortunately I didn't. I was no. uh, preoccupied. You did though, Jay. Talk us about your talk yeah. us about an away game. Talk us about your, your this novel thing called an away game for you, Jay Coates. Yeah, it was it was enjoyable. Dry was all right. Um, How was your tick? Yeah, they they got a bit OTT on that. Um Entrance to the pitch, don't they, with the big fuck off jets? Oh yeah, the fire that fire it out. Sent sent a pitch to my dad, and he replied saying they've got money to burn them. The amount the amount that gas would have cost, we could have bought two players with that, which I thought was quite amusing. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. To be fair, they made a good noise. Twenty one thousand, just short of twenty two, I think. Um, there was about fifteen hundred North End fans there, which is. It's good numbers for two hours down the motorway on a Tuesday night, I think. Um, made a lot of noise. 
I think it, there was even a few Wolves fans tweeting afterwards saying that we were be- better away fans than some Prem sides. So take that. But our away yeah, fans are class, to be fair, aren't they? Yeah, have been for a while. Um, all, always tended to travel in numbers, even like when Alex Neil was here. Um, <laughs> what are you smiling at? It didn't take long to mention it. It took no. longer than usual, I think. <laughs> I, think I think that's every episode this season we've mentioned him. He's getting on the bingo card. <laughs> um, yeah, first half, I think we, we were probably lucky to be only 2-0 down, if we're being honest. But second half, much, much improved. Uh, especially given, what was it, seven, eight changes, I think. Di Cornell came in for his debut. Probably man of the match, to be fair to him. Uh, made a few good saves, made a few easy saves look a little bit sort of more dramatic than they perhaps needed to be. But yeah, I thought he did well. I uh, was really impressed with DJ at left wing back. He just his work right off the ball, tracking back, getting forward, especially in the second half. His link up play, um, Greg was. It felt like in the first half, just a red card waiting to happen after he got booked for bringing down. Um, I think it was like, it was either Huang or that Nunes. He's a player, by the way. He was class. Ran as ragged in the first half. But I suppose when you're spending nearly thirty million on a player, that's what you'd expect. That's how it came across on the radio. Adam, Adam Cotty was doing very long last night, and it just on Adam Cotty. I have never seen anyone move around as much while they're commentating. <laughs> Un- unbelievable viewing. <laughs> But, Back um, and forth on his seat. It was class. Kind of played to him. That's what happens when you commentate on Premier League games, isn't it? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, it just sounded like we were getting a bit of a pace in, like, but fair play to him, you know, hung, hanging on with the penalty save. Um, I've watched the highlights back and these chance, like, it's just, I just want to put him to connect with it. Usually, he connects with it too well and it ends up in the sky. Like, and that one is just not connected with it at all. So, but again, it's one of those games where we've created chances, potses, back post. How is, how is he missed? You know, and I, think I think he's probably just seen it a little bit late, hasn't he? Yeah. But, but that was the one, wasn't it? I think that was the big one. Even the goal was another one outside the box, wasn't it? Shot from distance. You know, about time we put in a few easy chances, isn't it? I think the other Sunday starting in was, I can't work out whether that was a message to, you know, those in charge as if to say that, you know, you, you better worry because this is what's coming if anybody gets injured or or whether he was genuinely trying to give him some game time. But I think to throw him straight in after hardly having any pre-season and um, having injuries, throw him straight. I mean, the first goal, I mean, he's, he's, he's so off the pace, isn't he? If there's ever a player who's clearly not had much practice, that's it for that goal. So, you know, to throw him straight thought, in... Wouldn't you, that he would have maybe maybe given Brownie or Potsy like 50 minutes and then brought all of Sunday on? Yeah, that's what you do usually, wouldn't you? I mean, if it, it, it just doesn't make sense. You know, if you want to win the tie, just you don't throw in somebody who's not played any games, do you? And so it was a bit strange... Yeah, and it seems as though every game he's played, he's, he came in against Blackburn where he was um, pretty much just played until he, he died pretty much that day. And then the Swansea game, he was all over the place. And then um, and then last night, he, he's been thrown in as well. So I don't, as much as he's not obviously going to work, I don't think he's got the fairest of shots, has he, along the way? It's tough on a minute, really, like... <laughs> How can he, he's not started a game since January, like in a competitive environment. And you took him in against Premier League side and he's up against, well, a, a, not a Dharma Chore, the other guy. Huang. Oh, Huang. Like, South Korea International. Yeah. Like, he's just lamb to the slaughter, isn't he, really, at that point. But. To be fair, the, Wol- the Wolves fans were all saying how he, he was a player that was like lacking confidence, needed a bit of a boost. I'm thinking, like. If ever there's a player to be facing to give yourself a bit of a confidence boost, it's Matthew Oller Sunday. I feel for him though. It's yeah. not his fault. Nah. Like it's not it's not his fault. He's just been he's been chucked in at that. You know, and he probably wants I don't know if he wants away or, or he's just happy to sit on his deal or whatnot. 
But obviously, he's not fancy here. We're going to register him at this point, though. This rate, well, we are yeah. because he's got a week to find a new club. Otherwise, he's going to be in our twenty-five man squad. Yeah, yeah, scary. I'm not That's... sure that bears thinking about really, does it? Well, why? It's reality. No, oh, no, but. Oh, well, that's what oh, I mean. That's why oh, I think oh, it was oh, a bit of a. Me- it has to be a message, doesn't it? Yeah, it has to be some sort of message to, to start him and and pretty much hang him out to dry. Really, I mean, we'll we'll come on to like the transfers and the window and all that sort of stuff in the second half. But this night, hanging him out to dry, piece it just does no one any good. It doesn't do the player any good because ultimately, like, who's going to touch him? Like the performance of that ill can last in forty five minutes. I don't think he's lasted ninety minutes since he was. In any game for us, has he? So it's like. I was talking to someone in the press room last night who was there, um, obviously working, and they said after the game, uh, he said North End just have to pay Matthew Ola Sunday up. They just need to get him out of the club for his sake and ours. Yeah. I think we've got a duty of care towards the player. I know that's going to sound like really. HR with me, but we have got a duty of care because he's under contract. So you can't just throw him under the bus. You have actually got to pay the guy up. Yeah, and that's not his fault, is it? He's just signed a contract no, and he was offered. Um, hey, you but... took a contract in front of my face of that ill. Can I be signing that as well? Oh, yes. Even if it's um, Sadler that's offering it, yeah? Who? I, I wouldn't be signing for them, what? <laughs> Last time he lasted nine. You'd be minutes. playing like all of a Sunday if you did sign oh, yeah. him deliberately. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be doing that 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 spin that he did last night where they couldn't they couldn't work out where Huang had gone. God. Last time he lasted ninety minutes, third of March twenty twenty one. Jesus. Paul, you, like you said, you got to for him a little bit, aren't you? I mean, I would say there's obviously quality there because he was in the USA international squad a few seasons back, but I'm not sure what the quality of their squad was like back then, so I'll refrain from saying that. Um, but yeah, second half, much improved. Uh, one thing, one player I will touch on, I know he scored, but I thought Ben Woodworm. I thought Ben Wood... <laughs> that's, that's a new one. Um, I thought Ben Woodburn was quite anonymous, to be fair. Don't think he really had. I know. I know scoring is a big impact on on a game, but in general play, I didn't think he really had that much impact. To be fair, I've not seen enough of him. I seen him in that game against Watford when he came on and then rather him. And coming off against Watford, someone said to me that he didn't rate him from what he'd seen so far. I won't. I won't use that actual phrase that he used, but. I just don't know. I've not, you know, you're not seen enough of a player to make your mind up of him. Whether they've got something about him and, and the players need to be starting games and, and getting a look in, or if they're just not up to the level. But what it's worth, I do think he's got something about him. I think you, you know, he, you can see that he's had the upbringing he's had at Liverpool. Um, and I think Klopp was gushing about him last preseason, wasn't he? Before he went out on loan, um, and was just saying like he just needs. Needs to settle somewhere and 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 find somewhere that he can set, kind of call a home for the good of his career. Which, you know, Jurgen Klopp's not going to sort of dish out praise to any old player for the sake of it. So I've, I've no doubt that he will come good for us. But yeah, my concern with him is it, it might be another Harrop type situation where you don't really know where to play him. And then all he's used for is like an impact sub and he'll get the goal here and there. But in terms of actually getting consistent play, that's my concern for him, I think. I think the fact that he was given a one plus one as well doesn't really show a lot, that much faith from the club, well, I don't think. Well, Jay, you got to look at the situation when we signed him. He's just been out to Hearts last season when he played 12 games. It's a very low-risk signing. He was yeah. on a strike, but it's Yeah, true. yeah I wouldn't... We can't criticise the club for giving him a one and a one when we were dishing three-year contracts out to like to Josh Harrop and it completely backfired. So I don't mind doing it going down the one and one route because ultimately, if the guy smashes it like January, February, whenever, and you, you you want to time down for a little bit longer than great because it gives us the flexibility to do that. 
my, my bigger concern at the moment in time is the guys that are actually out of contract, out of contract next summer. You know, you like to Daniel Johnson, Robbie Brady, Ryan Ledson, Liam Lindsay, you know, who would ever thought I'd have said those words, you know, 12 months ago when, when we signed him. But all Liam Lindsay. Honestly, probably the player of the season so far, Liam Lindsay. You know, the boat has turned into a, a cruise liner that, that looks absolutely unflappable. <laughs> I think he's I think he's been amazing. I think he's been really good. I think he's, he's just shown a, a level of class about him. I think losing Hughes on Saturday alongside him, you know, touch wood like Hughes is not out for too long because that, that has the potential to be a really good partnership, you know, yeah. Hughes and Lindsay. And Jordan Story's done well as well, you know, let's give him a bit of credit as well. Yeah, I think... They've been the two standouts, haven't they, Story and Lindsay? Um, Lowe said on Hughes last night that he's given him every chance for Saturday, but he thinks that it might be a little bit too soon. He's not in a sling or anything like that, apparently, so that's a positive. Um, But I think just another player I just want to touch on last night, and I I do think he did did all right in in the second half, Pat, but He's shown why Ryan Lowe has stuck with Liam Lindsay for me, Pat Bauer. I thought I think Lindsay gives you that little bit of a better option on the ball. I think um, I've still got my reservations about pretty much well the two of the back three, um, but Bauer, yeah, he looks he struggle he looks he looks like he's struggling physically, doesn't he, um, to keep up with the game? A bit of a concern. Especially as well, if he doesn't play as much and then he has to get thrown into a game, then you, you know, then you're in trouble, aren't you? Yeah, and he, he looked a little bit, a little bit sluggish at times last night, and I, I guess you can say point to the fact that he's not really featured that much, not played that much football. But like I said, he, he did all right in the second half. I thought in the first half he was quite slack in possession. He was poor with his distribution, um, and and got caught out a few times but you know a, a back three of Cunningham Bauer and Story facing up against Jimenez Huang and Traore it's like it's like putting a, a Robin Reliant up against a Lamborghini in terms of pace it's just no match and all you can see it's so the, you know the, I don't think we can be too critical of the back three from last night because Yes, the keeper's made a couple of good saves. Obviously, he saved the penalty as well. But it was only two. You know, if it was a cricket score, then obviously I'd be a little bit, a little bit more concerned. But, like, you know, at the end of the day, the cup's there for... I think Lowe's going to use the cup in the future as a bit of a rotation. You know, use his squad a little bit. Obviously, he's given two kids a bit more at the end as well. So... I like the look of Jacob Slater, by the way. Very um, not not scared of pushing on, getting forward. I know that's how low wants his wing backs to play, but for a young kid, I thought he might have been a little bit hesitant and maybe sat back a little bit, given that he was up against like I think it was Pedro Neto or that mm. Gonzalo Guedes. Um, but I thought he really impressed me. Stood out a little bit more than Lewis Lee did. Difficult for Lee to all go in again in that midfield, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, look at what Lee's up against in that against their midfield three at that point. It's ridiculous. Yeah, Neves, Matinho, and uh, who was the other one? Nunes. Yeah, tough. But they both did all right, to be fair. No issues. No issues at all. Um, boys, I think unless you two have got anything else you want to say, then we can call that part one. No, mate. Cool. Grand. See you in part two. Welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. We've got some listener questions to answer and we'll finish off by looking ahead to the Cardiff game as well. So enjoy. Boys, first one, this one's from Town End Tactics on Twitter, who says, the 3-4-2-1 formation, is it the way to go? 
Do you think Ryan Lowe uses it because he trusts Parrot as a lone striker rather than Parrot and Reese in a two? Or do you think it's because he wants the tens more involved? Or okay. neither of those things? Good question. I, I, you know what's impressive about Parrot is his upper body strength. Um, and I think, he, you know, for a 20-year-old, he's he's strong, like, in terms of, you know, bullying centre-halves. Um, I think at home, I'd rather see him start with two up. I, I could sort of get away, I could, in a way, get away with it if playing, a, you know, a toxic side away from home. I could sort of get playing a box, you know, and playing Parrot up front or Reese up front of his own. Is there the ability to play Parrot just behind Reese? maybe? You know, in one of these two behind? I don't know. It's one of those where I think that could be an option. You know, playing him as a 10, you know, and Reese as the 9. Um, but this 2-6 sixes, 2-8s sort of shape. So I just find it a little bit safe, like, especially at home, when you're playing Rotherham, who let's not be around the bush, like, they're not going to be top six come the end of the season are they you know so I think it has a it has a place but I think it opens up a bigger question tactically about this three at the back and the insistence of playing a, a variation of three five two every single game on the right loan and it's like it, it it feels like he'll die on that sword if he has to so I can't see him changing that because it's what he's done at Berry, it's what he's done at Plymouth, it's what he's done up here so far. So, to answer the question, ultimately, like, I, I do think that's, it's going to be a shape we're going to stick to. I personally can get away with seeing, like, the three-box midfield um, in away games like in Sheffield United or Middlesbrough, for example, but not at home to rather more cannon fodder. No disrespect. I'd like to commend you on mashing two sayings there. No, I don't. Uh, to... Die on this sword. I like it. Die, a mix of die on this hill and fall on your sword. <laughs> I'm a fan of that. Mate, I'm tired. <laughs> it's not as good as damn squid, though, I have to say. Let's no. not go. There. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brownie. Go on. So I think um, <clears throat> it working in the sense that it gets brown in the box more. <clears throat> and also, I think Parrot, the way he, hold, he can hold the ball up as well, you can get Brown and DJ kind of playing off him, which seems to have worked occasionally. Um, and I agree with Jimmy, it, it can, it does serve a purpose, I suppose. Looting away kind of worked that day, didn't it? Um, I do wonder whether the whole Reese situation is kind of making him play this way because we don't really have another striker, do we? You know, Evans ain't going to be starting games and uh, Maguire's injured, so. Uh, although Evans was suspended, one he so I do wonder whether the whole, if the whole re situation settles down a little bit, whether he reverts back to the two up front, or if he actually gets another striker in, which God, let's hope he does. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's probably a little bit of needs must. I think rather than anything too tactical at the minute, because you know Reese, what is he going? Is he staying? Does he want to leave? Does he want to stay? Um, how close are Borough to the match in the? The valuation, I don't know. So, and plus as well, I think it probably gives him a little bit of an option if he's got reefs on the bench to kind of change the game a little bit more, rather than starting with the two, and then who are you going to bring on as a striker as well? So, in terms of like game plans, I don't know whether that plays a part into it, but I think it, I think he will go back to a two eventually. And um, we we just need we need more options, don't we? Simple as that up front. Yeah, and it's been his bread and butter, hasn't it? Playing with the two up, so. I think it's only it's more a case of when, not if he goes back to back to that formation. Yeah, and the other thing on the forward line, like situation, like obviously we'll come on to Reese in a bit, but you know between Evans and Maguire, they've not scored in forty hours of football now. You know Evans has just bypassed Maguire in terms of the goal drought. You know Maguire, Evans is actually over twenty hours now of football without a, a goal for for North End, and it's like. I don't want to be accused of bashing Chad Evans because I'll, I'll get piled on because that seems to be the way it happens when you criticise Chad. But like, has he served his purpose in that first what has been in our eighteen months? Has it has he served his purpose? And like, is it time now where we probably do need to upgrade Chad? Yeah. Like, no offence to him. That's this is just me looking at it 
purely from a football perspective, it's like 20 hours out of goal for a striker that's meant to be a bit of a target, meant to be, you know, you know I look back to that Borough goal, which I think was his one of his last goals for us, you know, meet him with a head, you know, from across. <laughs> when, did he, when did he last have a chance? I don't even remember him having a chance. Not even come close to scoring. Well, I know we didn't really touch on him in the first half, but he was so poor last night. I know he's up against like top quality players, but no shots, no dribbles, no key passes. Didn't win any aerial battles. Winning aerial battles, kind of thing that people point at him for. Winning aerials and getting his body in and bringing the ball in. He had six accurate passes in the 75, 80 minutes that he played. I think I think he's done. Like like you said, Jim, I think but, he served his purpose. But that's the thing, like, you know, do you now just look to upgrade that position? Do you do you bring in someone that can be your upgrade on him at you know I think the reason he's place- still here and the the speculation was shot down is because we can't. Well, you know, like, you've seen how quiet the last ten days have been in terms yeah. of like rumours and speculation. Ryan Lowe's now saying how if we don't bring anyone else in, he'd be happy with his squad that he's got he at the moment. I don't believe that. I, I, I just, well, he's not going to say anything else in the press, no, is he? Because it, it, it demeans the, the players that he's got. But I, I, yeah, just, but I don't think we can get rid of Chad because we'd need a body to replace him and we can't replace him. 100%. We're one light up there anyway. You lose Emil, that's two light. You potentially lose Chad or Maguire, that's three light up there. The likelihood of us bringing in three forward players in the next seven days is absolute nonsense. It's never going to happen. Like, you know, we've been struggling to bring one in this window. We brought, you know, when we brought Troy in, but like, what's out? You know, there's got to be players out there. You know, I, I know you've got a question about market insights later, but like, there is players that you could get if you really wanted to. If you really wanted to get a striker, you you could go out and get one. Uh, you know, because. I could I could name three strikers off the top of my head that fit the Ched mold. The one's probably out of our way structure, but percent, might potentially fit into it if if we manage to negotiate. But you know, like Sam and Collins at Bristol Rovers, I, I'd look at him. You know, there was talk that we've looked at Johnson Clark Harris, but he's going to cost us an arm and a leg. Right, and then the other one would be. The, the the old big big man himself like who bagged last night. So I think yeah. we're probably in a position where obviously we can't afford to bring anyone in. So what what what's the way of approaching that? I think we have to sell an asset, which is probably why they're, they're desperate to sell Reese because what's the point in losing Evans? You don't you can't you can't make any money for him and he's yeah. not on a lot of wages. So the only way. Me. The only way we can get more players in is if we get rid of one. Yeah, he and, said, and he, didn't he, like, unless someone comes in with a million quid, then he's not going anywhere and no one in the right mind's going to pay a million quid. Well, I just don't, I, see, I don't understand this, like, because we must have saved close to 150, 200 grand a week off the wage bill with the players we've released in the summer. Like, I know Peter talked about being cash neutral over the summer or June, July, whenever it was. Um, but... You can't, we've got more season ticket holders than we've ever had before in the past, God knows how many years. I think, didn't they say think, it was I, a, a, a think, near 50 or 60 year record? Yeah, but I think they just feel a little bit let down, Jake, and that's just me being really honest because ultimately we want to see the manager get back because, you know, I've not seen a manager get the fans on side like Ryan Lowe has since probably Billy Davis era. And People are just starting to get a bit frustrated. I know there's a week left of the window and like things could happen in that, that time, but I just want I just want to see him get the players in that he needs to, to fulfil this, you know, potential of being a top six side. Yeah. I think we was gonna talk about market insights next, but given what we've just finished talking about, I'll switch the questions. And this one's from One Brings Two, who is at Jeff Linton on Twitter. And he says, given that it sounds like the same old story, re the manager not being backed, how long do you give it before the current optimism amongst fans dwindles? Season ticket sales show the fans have faith in low and have backed the club, but the club needs to start putting its money where its mouth is. That's nail on the head. That it's literally like that, and 
Uh, we're up between a rock and hard place, aren't we? Do we want to be cash neutral or whatever the term is? You know, because what, what does be... that even mean? I'm not actually, mate. But anyway, um, do we want to be balancing the books? That's probably what it means. Because if we do, we're going to be bottom six. And if we do, that's probably why the 100, 150, 200 grand a week that we've saved is gone into balancing yeah. the books. But if you want to balance the books, you're not going to be fighting for promotion. That's why you need to sell an asset. If you're going to, if all the money's going back into the club, then you need to sell an asset. Yeah. I think if you look at the next two games and the transfer window ending, you know, Cardiff away, Coventry away, if we lose those two games, and don't have a good end to the window, it's easy how things can can change. And then there's a more added pressure on low then, you know, with a squad yeah. that isn't as good as what he wants to then get results. And we've that, seen it before. If that does happen, they? Brownie, I don't think I'll be coming back from Prague. <laughs> but, yeah. but the thing is, though, I don't think the fans would be getting all around Lowe's back. I don't think, because I think the fans, are, for the majority, are on his side. You know, I, I think their frustrations would be aimed more at the ownership and... You know the directors of the club. If we we don't back the manager of these next seven days, and then you know, God forbid, you know, we start leaking goals or not, you know, not getting stuff from games, and we start sort of falling down the table. Then I, I can all that positive momentum that we've had over the summer. You know, all the good things that we've done as a club that uh, you can't can't dismiss because it's amazing what the club has done over the past three months from a fan engagement point of view, but it can just get, it, it's like the old saying, it, you know, it takes years to, to gain a customer, but it can take seconds to lose one. Well, you, you, know, look at, I, you look at, like you just mentioned there, Jim, perhaps hasn't been this positivity around the club since the Billy Davis days. Mm. I bet there's probably a, a good few fans that haven't really committed to the club maybe until now, since the Billy Davis days. Because of the same old story every season, you know, and it's not just going back to when Alex Neal was here or Simon Grayson, but Billy Davis left because he didn't get backed for the players that he wanted. David David Moyes a little bit different, maybe because no one was going to turn down Everton at that point. But well, Moyes had just lost Mackin, hadn't he? Well, yeah. So you know, that's another example. Of your best players getting it's sold. the same old story, though, isn't it? Rinse, repeat, and. You know, I appreciate everything the Hemmings family have done, but they are the one common denominator through that whole entire time. Yeah, and it's like this isn't this should not come across as a dig at the Hemmings family at all. I'm just saying, like from a business perspective, what do we want? What do we want to achieve? If it's promotion, then ultimately we need to have a model that is set up to be able to gain promotion. You know, not you know, and that's not spending. Thirty million pound, like I think Bristol City's accounts. They, they spent thirty million pound on wages last season, like, and they've got square root of nowhere. They've got to a semi final of the AFL Cup over the past five years. That's pretty much all they've got to show for it. Um, but you've got to sort of speculate to accumulate or whatever the phase is. Like you can't just keep spending money for the sake of it and not bringing in quality. Our recruitment over the past this is this is ultimately like the past three years of recruitment being pretty shoddy at times. It's coming back to bite us on the backside a little bit now. You know, don't be wrong, like we've had the odd gem, Emil Reese, Ben Whiteman, Alan McCann to a degree. Um, you know, the signs of Freddie Woodman look, look positive. But we've wasted so much money in the same sentence, you know, on players that just didn't suit what we are as a club and whether that's down to the previous manager, whether that's down to the recruitment team, whether that's down to, you know, one of the directors, whatever it's down to, I, I, you know, ultimately there'll be people at the club that know more about who, who brought in who and who's to blame, you know. So, I just think these next seven days are so pivotal, especially like, because you've got, what, when's the break for the World Cup? 12th of November, something like that. Then we've got three weeks off. I think we've got about fifteen games in that time. It's a massive, it's a massive period of time because then you know, if you, God forbid, we we got a bit of a rut into that World Cup period. I think there's our last game black and our first game back black, and I forget which way it, round it is. But you go into that time frame, then you got three weeks to like just dwell on stuff. Oh, God, it could be horrible. 
Yeah, we said it the other week, didn't we, Brownie? It, it's because this this run of fixtures coming up now is where things start to get a little bit tougher. Where we've got a few more tests, and you know you're coming up against maybe some of the the bigger boys in the league. Um, and you chuck in a manager not being backed, given how positive the summer has been, and we don't bring in the the bodies that we need, and we do go on a bit of a bad run. <laughs> it's for me to go back to the to the question. For me, it's a fine line at the moment. It it could it could tip over the line, like you said, Brownie. By this time next week, you know, deadline day, we've not we've not backed the manager and we've not brought in the players that he wants, and we've lost. To Cardiff and Coventry, I think with the impending closure of the transfer market, it, it could it could tip then. I think I think Lowe's done an incredible job and, and has done a, in terms of his sales pitch since the season ended. When you actually look at the difference, Lowe's the only difference really, and he's been able to sell this dream. You know, oh well, top six, we're going to sign you know robust, experienced championship players. Blah, 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 blah. If that doesn't happen, then you look in and you scratch underneath the surface. For a club on the outside that's saying it's going to want to get top six, in reality, it's a club that just wants to stay alive and stay mid-table in the championship with a guy, a figurehead, who they keep pushing out and, you know, creating this dream for everybody. You know, let's face it, if it wasn't for low, I don't think, you know, the season tickets were prices were drops, but I don't think we'd get as many people through the door. But that can only last a certain amount of time. And and if he isn't bats and we have a season of the same old, same old, you're then in a bit of bother, aren't you, in terms of next season? So it's a big it's a big week or so. Um and it's you know, like Jimmy says, Lowe ain't gonna be happy if he's not bats, despite what he says in the in the in the press. No. And I think Jimmy, you mentioned a few minutes ago about a club with a model and a club with a, a strategy and how they want to operate. You know, there's been a little bit mentioned on Twitter and there's a question here from Aaron, who is at Chaosphere on Twitter, who said, should we invest more in data analytics to find lower league gems like Brentford, but perhaps on a smaller scale? It's, it was mentioned years ago, we did a mini money ball with the Irish leagues, but you could argue now that didn't work out so well. I don't think we can... <laughs> I don't, I don't think, think we did. did. I don't think there was any money ball involved it, in that. It, it, it <laughs> would bring in o, O'Connor, the Kevin O'Connor guy who won the lottery. Boyle. Boyle. Maguire. Brown, Maguire, Horgan. Um, brought in Jimmy Corcoran, the keeper for the youth team. O'Reilly. Um, Nevin, O'Reilly. But that I think was they were more Trevor's connections, were yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. They were down to Trevor. A lot of it was down to Trevor, Tre- who Trevor knew at the time and stuff like. So I don't. But, uh, I think I think what that sort of you know the 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 point about investing more in data analytics I think that points to I think it's worth having a little bit of a discussion on the back of that on you know there's been a lot made this summer and and the early part of this season while the window has been open about the the partnership we've got with Market Insights um, it is it maybe a little bit up in the air as to what they've actually contributed because I don't think that you know we, we offered Bambo Diaby a contract we've gone out and got Ben Woodburn who was on a free, Robbie Brady on a free um, Freddie Woodman credit where it's due there it's a good signing, Dyke Cornell on a free is, is, is there a question mark perhaps as to what exactly Market Insights have contributed or do you think maybe the fact that the club appears to have no money to spend has maybe hindered what they can appear to be contributing. Yeah, I think it's probably it's probably harsh to criticise market if I'm honest at this moment in time because ultimately they've only been in situ since what May, June. It's very difficult to just all of a sudden say like you can recommend players to be blue in the face. You know, because ultimately that's scouting, that's what they, they do. But where that player wants to come here, where they're available, you know, all the rest of the, the I suppose, the personal, tangible situations, like, things fall through. You know, there's obviously intermediaries and agents involved in transfers as well. So it's not just down to 
market say, oh, yeah, here's 20 players, you know, go after all of them because ultimately some of them might not fit what we want. Some of them might be knobheads. You know, we know Ranlow doesn't sign knobheads. Um, you know, all Revolutionary, of those, that, isn't it? Well, I, it's sort of just normal, isn't it, really? I wouldn't want to work with a knobhead every day. So why would you employ one? Um, but then, so we're working on market, but then I look at, so the other clubs that market work with, so for Plymouth, for example, because they still work with them on a League One basis, you look at the players they brought in, Finizaz from Aston Villa alone, good player, like very good last season um, at Newport. Um, Morgan Whitaker from Swansea brought in a couple of lads on freeze. Um, so, They've not been prolific in the loan mar- in the loan and free transfer market. It doesn't have bought anyone in. So I, I don't know. I just find it a little bit hard to criticise market as such when ultimately they'll get judged on how they perform over the next two three years in terms of the players we bring in. It's not. Um, it's you, you can never have a short term sort of like win if that makes sense with recruitment from. Speak to people in the industry and speaking to, you know, Ali and another recruitment. I think as as well. I call them. If if the club has no money to spend, then it it almost it almost makes market insights look maybe poorer at the job than perhaps they are. Because if they're suggesting the players that we don't know about, but we're not in a position to go out and sign them, then that's not market's fault. But you can only play the hand you dealt. Ultimately, if you've got them, if you've got a limited budget, and the players that are getting recommended to you within that sort of structure maybe aren't the quality you want, what are you going to do? Sign them for the sake of it? Well, we've just done that for the past three years, and it's caught us like like wasting money. So I get it, like I get the question, but we don't want to be signing players just for the sake of it, like we have done previously. Because ultimately, it's cost us money, and we've got absolutely nowhere. I'd rather us sign one or two strong players in the next seven days than buy four or five for the sake of it. Because what's the point in bringing players in for the sake of it? You know, people keep talking about Cameron Archer like he's going to come home. It's like if we get Cameron Archer back, it's a miracle for me. Like that, you know, it's just we've got to move on. It's like, like pining after an X after it was still, it's like we've got to grow up, we've got to sort of move on to other targets. Because if he's not available, or Stephen Jarrod doesn't pick up the phone to Ryan Lowe, as it sounds like, you know, and he goes elsewhere, what am I going to do? I think a lot of the names that were being linked at the beginning of the summer indicated that market insights had more of an impact than what they probably have done in the last few months, let's put it that way. Mm. Um, you know, Quintia that type of signing where you, you, you thought where people were suddenly thinking, you know what, there's actually a change here. But I think it goes back to what I was saying before. It's just another example of on the face of it, it looks as though we're changing. It looks as though we're a top six club with ambition. But in reality, we can't get any of these transfers over the line. And we've ended up signing players that pretty much everyone knew about anyway. So, I, you know, there's been a lot of said over the summer and a lot of it hasn't really come... Um, into fruition really um, so yeah again there's one common denominator isn't there the, the ownership and the, the director of football that's it isn't it yeah pretty much pretty much and like we've said it, it's a massive week um, just on that then do you think uh, I get the feeling that the Hemmings family they might want to sell but I get the feeling that there's probably not much in the way of buyers out there at the moment and I think we're at a point now where we're risking starting to feel a little bit stale again like we said if we don't don't back the manager don't bring in the players that he wants you know Ryan can can try his best but if things don't really change off the pitch then fans and rightly so will start to get fed up again so, do you think it's maybe time for a change of direction for the club? Not that the Hemmings family sell up and and move on, but do you think it, uh, those at the top of the club? I guess is what I'm saying. That do you think it's time for a bit of fresh blood and 
for some from for the for some fresh impetus to come in and have a change of direction and maybe put a a plan in place and and talk about it and talk about what it is because if there is a plan in place do we know what it is and if there is is it, is it working at the moment well jay if the biz if the family feel the business is doing okay and just just plodding on and just they're, they're happy with that they're not gonna make any wholesale changes at the top of it why would you and i think the the big thing for me is that if we have this premier ambition just do to see it at times you know our, our academies are cat three great that we've gone to the pdc cup this year for the first time but uh, to try and test ourselves against you know category two teams etc yeah, training grounds decent you know good investment by the show before he passed away but like we can't keep peddling the premier ambitions mantra or you know the saying premier ambitions so we want to be top six without backing the manager accordingly. We're talking the talk, aren't we? But so far, there's yet to. There's not a lot of walking the walk that's been seen, is there? Well, there's not. You're right. And but ultimately, like, there's two ways of looking at it. Do we want to bring in players just for the sake of it? No, we don't. Do we want to bring the right players at the right price? Yes, we do. How many of them are out there within our price range? Probably not. I don't know. You know, because ultimately, if we wanted to bring them in, I think we'd, we could have brought them in by now. Do we even have the money to bring players in? It's such a mixed message, you know, because at one point we're getting told, you need to sell, we need to get people out before we bring them in. Then we're getting told, we've inquired about X, Y, and Z. They've been told we're not. We've not actually inquired about it. We're just waiting for loads to pick up. You know, to get a phone call off his mate. It's like there's just so many mixed messages out there at the minute. It's like, can we just have a bit of clarity in terms of what our plan is? You know, and if we, if you know, if we have inquiries about Reese or Whiteman or other players, like yes, it's going to get dealt with behind closed doors. Of course, it is it's business. I, I get that, but I hope to God we've got a plan if we lose one of those two players this summer, because if we lose Whiteman or we lose Reese. Like you're you're losing your main creative player, and you, then you're losing, you know, a guy who scored 21 goals last season in a team that currently have had what 64 shots or whatever it is and scored one league goal. Like it, business-wise, that makes no sense to sell your, your best striker. Ultimately, if Ryan Lowe doesn't want him at the club and feels like he can invest that money elsewhere, you know, even if it's a couple of million of it in Johnson Clark Harris or I don't know. An Aaron Collins type of player, and feel like you can get more out of him. It's sad to see Reese going like so I think we'll be a lot poorer without him. Yeah. Uh, but if we lose Whiteman, for I dread to think. I think you're talking about like, does there need to be a change of direction? I mean, you know, we finally went abroad for pre-season this year. You know, finally got into doing other, you know, what other clubs do. And and it was made, you know, rightly so, made a big deal out of it as if it was something revolutionary. Um, you, you talk about the chain, the training ground. I mean, that, that's probably old fashioned now. You know, it's yeah. not really a serious investment in in the plan for the future. It was more of, it was more of a we got it, a bit of a bargain. It brought us up to date, didn't it? Really? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, me personally, I think I think there does need to be a, a major change in, in direction for the club because, or else, you know, it's, it's going to get pretty stale. But can we have this conversation? We're probably better off having this conversation when the window closes, really, in terms of stuff on the field. Um, all I'll say is it's looking pretty familiar um, territory, isn't it, at the minute? We've been down this road before, haven't we? Yeah, we've seen this film far too many times, haven't we? We've probably seen it six or seven times over the last 20 years. You know, and so many, so many times you want to watch a film without just putting it in the bin or just putting it in the archive, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. You yeah. can watch films over and over. There's some good films you can watch over and over again. Yeah, there's loads. Not not this one. Not this one. Um This one's boys, the one you keep trying just to see if it gets any better the second time, the third yeah, time. Your missus insists you... that it's good and you're like, <sighs> go on then, I'll give it yeah. another watch. No, it's yeah. still shit. Um Cardiff. Signed fifteen new players so far this window. Um they beat Norwich on the opening day. Lost two one against Reading. 
beat Brom, drew nil nil, and then they lost at the weekend to Bristol City in the is it a seven side derby between Cardiff and Bristol City? You say so? No, I'm not confident on it. But anyway, um, yeah, both both games that they've won been one nil. Um, they've played a back four, I think, so far this season mainly. So yeah, what are you expecting? Anything? You look at the players they've lost, it's a proper change of the guard in the summer, really. Um, Will Vokes, Murphy, Flint, Marlon Pack, Smithies, James Collins, Morrison. So really, they've, they've looked at this opportunity in the summer to have a real restart. So it's no wonder they've signed so many players. And it's no wonder why they've had a pretty much of an indifferent start to the season, isn't it? So I think you can expect anything. Really, from the weekend. Is, is there ever more a game than Cardiff PNE that has nil nil written all over it? <laughs> well, given the start to our season as well, it's probably a good chance of being another nil nil. Um, but yeah, they've not been thrillers, have they, over the years? I think the biggest thing about Cardiff this season is that their recruitment this year it's mainly focused on younger players. So I look at their lineup from. Saturday, when they play, uh, Sunday, sorry, when they played Bristol City, there was only Remain Sawyers, new to the club, and Ryan Olsop, that's at 30 or over, and he's new to the club as well. Um, I think everyone else was 27 and under. So, you know, big turnaround, don't be wrong, under Steve, under Steve Morrison. But um, very interesting, like, as a, as a side. You know, I, I really rate Ruben Colwell. He's only been a sub in the first four games of the season. Um Obviously playing like a four three three shape, which probably plays into our hands a little bit. Um but, and then the front three that started the game on Saturday with the Sunday so was um was it Shade Giojo, Max Waters who banged in loads for Crawley a couple of two or three seasons ago. I think he's got like thirteen and fifteen games or something daft and then got a move to Cardiff and, and hasn't really done much since. I think he went on one turn K Don's last season. And then um Calmo Dowder, who was Really good in spells for Bristol City, and then he's now about to be card. I think he scored. Was it opening day or in an away game? Um, start of their season, so I think it'd be an interesting game because he's he's got a decent squad there. I thought I thought they'd struggle this season, but we'll have to wait and see. I just thought there'd be there too much turnover. I think they'll do all right. I think there'll just be another another average season for them. To be fair, mm. but. Um, are you confident heading into it on the back of four draws and one win in the league? It's difficult to say. Like, I, I don't really fear anyone at this moment in time as a club, but it's one of those where we're going. The the likelihood of us conceding a goal sooner rather than later is quite high. You know, five things. It's in a row, 450 minutes, whatever it is, without in the goal, scoring one. So I can see a high scoring game on the horizon, but I'm just not sure if it's going to be Saturday. I just don't I just don't feel it. They've scored one in three. I think we've, we're similar numbers now. But we've had a couple of good, happy, happy days there. Like, I remember Friday night when Tom Clark scored like late on. That was a good drive home. Um, but then they've been our nemesis as well at times, haven't they? You know, I don't think we've beat them in the last seven or eight games now. So first game back after lockdown, pretty much got beat three one. That's when we lost our playoff spot. Um, in fact, just looking at the results, we've not actually won since that one one nil Tom Clark game. They even beat in the cup, didn't they, last season as well? Yeah. So what's that now? One, two, three, four, five, seven games. Without a win against Cardiff, they're a bit of a bogey team. Brilliant. So, I think it's going to be one-one. Is my prediction? I mean, it could be anything. I, I'm, I'm going to go two-two. Uh, I'll say one-nil North End. Of course, you will. You said that every game of season. I think. No, I think I've said I've maybe a two-one. I don't know. I don't keep track. Um, yeah, I'd say largely. Positive predictions overall. No defeats in there, but again, like goals, 
conceded defeats are going to come, aren't they? So, yeah, yeah who knows? It's still very early in the season. I think you can only really start to form a picture after maybe 15 games and the window shut when you know what you've got to play with. And obviously, Alvaro Fernandez is still out injured as well. We've not really seen what he's got to offer fully yet um, in the championship. So, yeah, boys, unless you've got anything else you want to say, then I think we can wrap that up. All right. Nice one. Yeah, another week, another goalless draw in the league, but it is what it is. We crack on. Um, like I said earlier on in the episode, pod schedule over the next sort of like two weeks is probably going to be a little bit all over the place, but we'll do our best. Keep episodes coming as and when. Got meets coming soon as well, so keep an eye out for that. And yeah, boys, thank you very much for your time as always. Much appreciated. See you later. Cheers.